0: The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. So we're talking about the Trinity. I started a series of lessons on the Trinity. And we're speaking right now about what is... God and in John chapter 1 and verse 18 we read the words no man has seen God at any time the only begotten son which is in the bosom of the father he hath declared him let's pray father thank you for this time we have I pray now that you would instruct us from your word that you would fill us with your spirit give us an understanding of your word we ask in Jesus name amen We've looked at a couple of things concerning what is God. We said the first, first time that God is spirit. And the scripture declares God as spirit. And uh, as spirit, God has no physical form. He assumes physical form so that you and I can somehow comprehend him. Because God is far beyond our ability as human beings to comprehend. We simply cannot fully understand what God is. Uh, so we, we we looked at that. Then secondly we looked at God is a person. And uh we we saw from the scriptures that God has attributes of personality. And uh so do we. We possess we possess attributes <clears throat> of personality. And this is why the scripture says we are created in the image of God. It doesn't mean that God is a man like me, that God is in a physical form uh, as a man. God is not limited to to the physical form as a man, but God possesses uh, attributes of personality, and so do we. Now, the rest of creation do not. The rest of creation does not possess what we could call personality. And we looked at that, and we, we studied that, and we saw that. Now, today I want to look at point number three, and that is this. God is one. God is one. I'd like for you to turn with me, if you would, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we'll read verse 35. We read here unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord he is God. There is none else beside him. And then look at verse 39. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Men do not have a full understanding of God. And as I said earlier, we can never fully comprehend God. But most men do not even have an elementary comprehension of God. How many gods are there? Well, it depends on who you ask. Uh, If you ask the world you would get a great number of answers and i did some research on this and depending on which list you choose there have been millions of gods named over the last 3 to 4000 years religious religions claiming christianity religions who claim to be christian and realize there's a lot of religions who claim to be christian that actually aren't. But religions that claim to be Christian possess 33,000 individual sects. 33,000 branches of religion in the world claim to be Christian. The Hindu religion in India alone has 20,000 different uh, sects of, of faith. 20,000. So, by men's reckoning, the number of gods is innumerable. But God's word declares there's only one God in all of creation. We read it a moment ago in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 35 Unto thee it was shown that thou mightest know that the Lord, He is God. There is none else beside him. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. We read here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Isaiah forty three and verse five. I am the Lord, and there is none else, there is no God beside me. I girded thee, uh, though thou hast not known me. In Isaiah forty five, verse twenty one, we read tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? And who hath told it from that time? Have not I, the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So God's word is very clear. There is no other God other than the I am God. Yet the world declares many gods. We hear men's ideology about this at all times. Have, have you ever watched the sporting events, for instance? I know maybe many of you don't. I, I, I do. I like sports. So I watch but you'll hear football announcers say, well, the football gods today aren't happy. Sometimes on a basketball game, you'll hear them say, well, the basketball gods rained down from heaven today. And, and men have many gods, don't they? And this comes from a, two things. It comes first from a, an understanding of God. And it comes from a, from a lack of respect for God. This is nothing short of blasphemy. I hear people at work all the time. They'll say, oh my. And you know what word comes next. And I'll usually tell them. I'm not shy about telling them. I'll say, you ought not do that. They say, well, why? I say, because God's word says not to take his name in vain. And I tell them, God is so holy. He is so righteous. And his name is so much above every other thing. That when we evoke the name of God, it should only be to praise him or in prayer. No other time should we use the name of God. But we we have no fear of that anymore. In our society. No fear whatsoever. Men refer to God as. The old man upstairs. Hmm? And Have you ever heard somebody say that? The old man upstairs. Yeah. Far too much. Far too familiar with God. Men are today. I mean. When you come here. This is a building. It's It's made of. Lumber and plaster and glass. And it's just a building. There's nothing special about this building other than it is sanctified for the use of the church in worshiping God the Father. But what what does the word of God say? Where two or more are gathered in my name, I might come by and visit. Is that what the Bible says? Huh? Where two or more are gathered in my name, there shall I be. When we come here, we are in the presence of God. And yet, we often fail to remember that. We come and bring with us our poor attitudes, our 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 petty differences, our own personal agendas. We come to seek the praise of men. We come to, to exalt ourselves before the presence of others. We fail to come with the humility that we should possess before the great God and our Father. And this is why I'm, I, I wanted to teach this series of lessons. Because we have lost our respect for God. Oh, I'm not saying we don't love God. I'm not saying that anyone here this morning doesn't love God. But we fail to respect him. We fail to honor him. We fail to reverence him. And this is so important, especially for young people. We have a few younger people in the room today. It's so important that we understand that though we don't fully comprehend God, we know that he is far beyond our ability to understand. But we honor him and we respect him as we conduct our daily lives. That is so important. That is so important. But men, when I went through NCO training in, in the military. They told us. You, you have to be careful about. Your interpersonal relationships. With the people that are under you. Because familiarity. Breeds. Contempt. The more familiar you become with someone. The less. Respectful, you become also. When you don't respect the powers that be, you know. I drive home and I commute, and I'm appalled. I wish they would come out with self-driving automobiles because uh, I'm appalled at what I see. I get when I when I when I reach the narrows. Of course, you know it's a nightmare for the next eight or nine miles. It's like I'd rather pull my own teeth. But when we get back to Petaluma and, and the road widens out again and go back to three lanes, that commuter lane, the size that say, two or more persons. Now, I don't even think about getting in that lane if it's in the time period. If it's not in the time period, I'm in that lane right away. But if it's during that time, I don't even think about getting in that lane if I'm sitting in my car by myself. Because the law says two or more persons. But men have absolutely no character at all. I watch the cars go by and I look and say, hey, there's only one person in that vehicle. And I always ask myself, where are the highway patrols? Where are they? They should they should post themselves along the plate the way because they could get them. They could make a fortune. Because people don't care. And it's that type of it's that type of lack of respect. That I see and I observe from men with respect to God today. And it, it absolutely is sickening. I don't know what's holding God back pouring out his wrath upon people of, of such character. And I'm not only talking about unsaved people. I'm talking about people who claim to be a child of God yet show so little respect for God. Even in their worship services they, they worship God in, in a manner that's absolutely disgusting. So we, we need to and those, none, none of this, by the way, is in my notes. So I'm, just, I'm just off on a tangent here. But it really bothers me. It Really does. It really bothers me that people say, "What?" Well, I don't know what happened to the youth in America. I do. I know what happened to the youth in America. I've taught this before. They were betrayed by us. We betrayed the youth in this country. When we stepped away from God's word, and when we quit, when we quit following. God's counsel, uh, that's when we let the devil take charge of our children. So we need to get back to grassroots. Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt not have, thou shalt have no other gods before me. The wrath of God will rest upon the head of any people who attribute God's glory to another. And further, this directive from God cannot be ignored. Exodus chapter 20 and verses 4 through 6. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not make any graven images." And here he's talking about making images for the purpose <clears throat> of worship. We don't need an image to worship God. We don't, we don't need to have a statue. We don't need to have a, a, an object here that we, that we look to and, and that, we, that we use in our attempt to worship God. We don't need those things. And as a matter of fact, God said, don't make them. Because they will lead you away from him. Now, when we consider what I've said so far, when we, when we take this truth that we've discussed, I'd like to make a couple of key observations concerning uh, God as being one. So, number one on your study sheets is this. Because God is one... He demands exclusive attention from me. Exclusive attention from me. We read a moment ago from Exodus chapter 2 and verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now this is fairly straightforward. No other means... No other. There should be nothing before God. Nothing. Not not a job. not, Not a hobby. Not a relative. Nothing should come before God. God is before all things. And he should be the first thing in our life. Not on Sunday only, by the way, but every day of the week. Nothing should garner our attention more than God. There's a there's an elderly lady that works where I work, and uh, she's she's Filipino, and uh, her name is Barry. That, well, that's what we call her. Her name is actually. Silveria Graham, but we, everybody calls her Barry. How you get Barry out of that? I don't know, but we call her Barry. And I love to be around Barry. She comes in in the morning. She's, I think, she's seventy-two or seventy-three. She comes in in the morning. She puts her purse down, and she says, "Thank you, God, for another day." And then she comes right over to me, and she always wa- she always wants to share some blessing that that God had 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 given her, or, or something that happened where, where she was able to be a blessing to someone else. And then she, she grabs hold of our director of nursing and brings her into her office. Not her office, but the director's office. They go in there, and she closes the door, and before they start work, they pray. Every day they pray. And she prays for every resident in the health center, and she's always got a smile on her face. She's always talking. She sings hymns throughout the, down up and down the hallway. And I'm telling you, I never doubt that Barry loves God more than anyone or anything. Because he is in the middle of her life. And that's how we should live. We should live with God right in the center of our life. And everything we do should revolve around God and around our respect and love for him. God demands our exclusive attention at work. <laughs> be honest at work. Be ethical. Work diligently. Be dependable. Be loyal. <laughs> we have a, one of the janitors in my department. He, he touts himself to be a Christian Christian. But I'm going to tell you, he's the laziest guy I've ever seen in my life. I want to go to him and say, don't tell people you're a Christian, please. But I can't do that. That would be, what would that be, Gary? That would be uh, harassment. That would be harassment, I'd get in trouble. But that's exactly what I want to tell him. You know, you, you claim to be a child of God, then have some character. Show some ethics. Be honest. Be, be diligent. Be dependable. Be loyal. We should put God first on vacation. Hmm? What do we do in America? Oh, God, we're going on vacation. You stay here. We'll be back in a week. Huh? All the purity disappears. All the morality disappears. All the propriety disappears. When we go on vacation. We should live our life doing all things with God and his glory in mind and at heart. Now, wait a minute. I'm not standing here saying I've arrived or I'm perfect. I need this as much as you need it. Matter of fact, I taught myself this lesson before I brought it here to teach today. We need to do all things with God and his glory In mind, we need to stop and ask ourselves before we do anything, will this glorify the Father? And if it won't, then don't do it. What do they say? If it's in doubt, don't do it. If you have to ask someone, would this be a sin? It probably would, so don't do it. Huh? I cannot fathom why this is so difficult to understand. This exclusivity to God and God alone. Uh, My wife expects that. My wife demands that I am devoted exclusively to her. Hmm? How How many of you wives here absolutely demand that your husband be exclusively yours? None of you? Don't be afraid. There you go. There's one. There's, there's another one. So the rest of you don't mind if he goes out with another woman? If he, if he, if he takes a woman to lunch at work and, and if they go to the movies together? and if they, You don't mind if he does that? You demand that your husband be exclusive to you. My wife does. Listen, my wife is a Cajun. And she grew up hunting with her dad. She could hunt me down and shoot me like a dog. <laughs> that woman is exclusively, I, I pay exclusive attention to her. Well, we, we know that our, our spouse expects that. So is it, is it so hard to understand that God expects that also? You know, we, we might say, well, I don't have any idols in my house. Yeah, but what does it take to cause you to, to, to put God aside? Because that becomes your God. If it's money, if it's a job, if it's, if it's hobbies, whatever it may be, that will cause you to justify your actions, putting God behind those things, that is, that becomes your God. And it violates God's principle. How do you suppose my wife would react to me ignoring her and giving my attention to other women? I mean, I could come home and say, but I give you some of my attention. I mean, I come home a few nights a week, and shouldn't you be happy with that? Shouldn't you be happy that I sometimes come and pay attention to you? No, she wouldn't be happy with that. And God is not happy with that either. If, in fact, God declares himself to be jealous. Did you know that? God, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5, says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Now, that that phrase goes much deeper than just the, the human reaction of jealousy, but it shows and demonstrates the fact that God demands us to be exclusive to him. Jealous for his honor and glory and will not peacefully give it unto another. Furthermore, this jealousy brings forth wrath and destruction. God demands our fidelity, but the truth is he deserves our fidelity. He shouldn't have to demand it, he deserves it. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Colossians 1.10, That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Walk worthy. God deserves, He deserves us to honor and worship Him and Him alone. So God is worthy of our exclusive attention. And then secondly, because God is one, we should have a single heart of love for him. Single heart of love for him. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. We read here, O Israel, The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. I, I got saved the Sunday after Thanksgiving in 1981. And at that time, my wife, she grew up in a Baptist church, and so she, she, she said, yeah, I'm saved. And I, I started involving myself in church work, in ministry, and I was going to leave one, one afternoon, one evening to go and do some work at the church. We were building a, a physical church building and I was going to go to do some work. And she told me, she said, if you leave, I won't be here when you get back. And I was, I was afraid. I mean, I was, I was a very young Christian. I was afraid. And I, I went and sat down, and I looked her in the eyes, and I said, I love you with all my heart, but I love my God more. And I've got to do this. And I said, I certainly hope you'll be here when I get home. So I left. And I got to the church, and a bunch of men were there working, and I Obviously, I I didn't show a lot of enthusiasm, so the pastor pulled me aside and said, you okay? And I explained what happened. He said, well, you you better get back home right now. But I finished what we were doing, then I went home. When I got home, she was sitting there, and she was crying. And I went over to her, and she said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. See, what happened is, while I was off serving God, God took care of her heart. He changed her heart. And it was about 30 days later she got saved. And God deserves our single heart of love. I mean, we must love God more than anything else. And, and the time may come, if, if it hasn't come for you already, the time may come when God will test that love. When you will have to choose between God and, and your, love's, your love of this life, or things in this life. So we have to be careful with that. Not only should God have exclusive rights to our attention, he should also have exclusive rights to our affections. <laughs> when I think about this, Jacob comes to mind. Jacob, through deceit, married Leah. But Jacob loved Rebecca. And far too often, God's children love this world. And therefore, their heart is not given to the Lord as it should be. We're admonished to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. Now, I've got just a couple minutes left. So in closing, I want to state the things that our love should receive that we we love most, that we should give to God. First, I would say it's our time. Time is a commodity. We have a limited amount to spend. And where and what consumes our time also consumes our affections. We will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ by what we do with our time. This is why Paul admonished us in Scripture to redeem the time. We, we spend as much of our time as we can with the things we love. So the proof is in the pudding, as they say. Where your, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also, the Lord tells us. And if we love God, we'll spend our time living for God. But another thing that, that we should uh, exclusively give to God is our talent. Each of us possess gifts or talents from God, and these talents are given to us not to not to exalt or honor ourselves, but to use in His service, not to further our own agenda, not to promote our own glory First Corinthians chapter ten verse thirty one whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of god and then thirdly and lastly our treasure matthew six twenty one for where your treasure is there will your heart be also. We may claim to love God, but as they say, the proof is in your treasure. The proof is in your treasure. Matthew six thirty one. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God is one. He's, there's only one God, and God is the God. And we should be exclusively living for him, and he should receive all of our attention and all of our affection. All right, folks. Well, I hope that was helpful to you, and uh, we're going to break and dismiss here. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronard Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.